0: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
2: Hello and welcome back to The Insight. It's been a little while. I want to apologize. I've been away, so we haven't been able to upload, but I'm back and there's regular uploads coming, starting right here, Man City, Manchester United. I wouldn't say a classic. I'd probably say a very predictable outcome. So we're going to talk about that game, probably not for that long because we just had a chat off air, me and Raj, and we felt like... In all honesty, most people probably predicted the outcome and exactly the way it came. Uh, So we will talk about it, but not at too much length. But the game we're actually going to talk about and almost preview a little bit is Man City Liverpool, because there's so many tactical elements that that are worth talking about. And I think it's better if we talk about it now and then after the game, we can reflect on what actually happened and what turned out, because it is an absolutely massive game. Uh, Very quickly, Raj, how are you, bro? I haven't seen you in a while. You've been doing nights. Um, What's going on?
1: (laughs) Yeah, man. Body clocks all over the place. Don't know what day of the (laughs) week it is. Don't know what time of day it is. Yeah, it's a a tricky one at the moment. But yeah, Uh, this game was okay, I suppose. But I think, yeah, as he said, next week is what I'm really looking forward to.
2: Yeah. Well, let's uh, start with this game, as I said. Immediate thoughts with with the game ending 3-1 in the way it did after Rashford opener?
1: To be honest, I did quite like the selection from Ten Hag. Um, I thought... It's one of those principles that I say often is get your best players in their best positions. So I was against using Rashford as the nine because I don't like him as a nine. His hold up, his back to goal play, his runs aren't as potent just running in behind directly. He's better at coming inside from that left side and then getting his shots in. So I did like the choice of using Fernandez and McTominay as a kind of double 10 uh, slash one as a nine, one as a ten behind uh, as a central uh, central option instead of having a striker there like Rashford. Uh, Rashford did look good. Um, and that goal was phenomenal. He's one of the best ball strikers in uh, world football. You can't doubt that. But the shame for him was he could have had a couple more. He hacked at one, which he which should have really hit on target. He um, There was another one. I can't remember what happened in that. You might know uh, where he could have got a goal as well. Uh, and then in the second half, that one where he was in behind Walker, I don't know why he chooses to go down. That's not a contact that will make you go down. He could have gone in on goal. So he was potent and the selection was okay Um, but I think he came back to the same old story of Ten Hag teams not being able to hold the ball in an effective manner in possession due to the structures in place and he had four midfielders on there uh, as well as the two wingers, four central midfielders and the distances were actually better because of that but the kind of rotations and the holding of possession wasn't there. Um, and I thought, United's defence, their ball playing out, other than Diego Dallo, was abysmal. None of them could keep hold of the ball with good passing and combinations. And that is a personnel issue, not just a 10 Hag issue in that back four. Obviously, Lissandro and Sean missing. But yeah, um, Man City, they had a bus to break down. They were given free access to the Man United half. Uh, and eventually they broke it down and we'll probably talk about what happened in the second half to improve.
2: Yeah, the the one thing that I found disappointing is obviously United take the lead. Um, but then, as you just said then, City are always interesting to watch when they've got something to actually do. Otherwise, I think they're quite passive and boring, which we've spoken about many times. Mm-hmm. Um, but United essentially were going, you keep the ball and we're just going to wait for you to find a way into the back of the net. Um that just simply doesn't work against it. Yeah, I think there's times when you do have to press. There's times when you have to try and pinch the ball and get on the counter. United got in positions to counter and then would go backwards to retain possession. Um, so it's a really bizarre sort of strategy. And I think the last goal summed it up for me. Casemiro uh, flicks the ball into Amrabat's chest from about four yards away mm. and runs off for the one-two. And there's no way on God's green earth that Amrabat will be able to return it back to Casemiro, especially because there's four city men around him. So I think there's just a disconnect. The structures all over the shop, like you said. Um you know, and the brilliance they are, of
1: you yeah, one thing they are lacking in that midfield area for transition is a massive big space ball carrier. And that with mm. the Casemiro and Mainu combination, there's Mainu is not going to be a physically dominant midfielder, I don't think. Um, for what it looks like he's not gonna eat up ground. They're missing that real ball-carrying presence to get them up the pitch if they're going to play in transition. Um, so that is why they actually have to have top build-up structures in place, uh, which they don't.
2: Hmm. And I think a lot of fans will point to injuries, but I would also say like every other team in the league at this point has had, if not as many injuries, definitely as significant injuries. Even look at City. Diaz was out for a while. Haaland's been out for a while. De Bruyne's been out for a while. Uh, a guy that we're going to talk about, talk about him right now, if you want, Vodan's picked up the... Uh, the torch and gone, I'll carry that along. I just don't see anyone in that United side. And today spoke to that going, I'll pick up the torch uh, and do that. It was passive, negative, boring, um, and eventually just played into City's hands.
1: Yeah, Uh, that does also come back to having an identity of the years where City have been able to get a certain type of player and accumulate those players over the years. So that means when they have injuries, they've got decent alternatives. Grealish is out, Doku comes in. Um, KDB was out, Alvarez had a bigger role at the start of the season, Haaland was out Uh, Alvarez again was filling in for him as well Uh, so they've got those uh, good substitutes in place I did think actually today Man City looked a bit too open in transition I mean Rodri was phenomenal in possession, the way he was spraying passes, he was inside the block of Man U, still able to twist and turn and then fire a crossfield pass inside that block and uh, penetrate them really Uh, he was outstanding today uh, Rodri but out of possession I thought there's a few spaces there in the middle which were a bit too open and they're going to have to be better against Liverpool next week Um, but obviously I think the star man was Foden I'm sure we'll come on to talk about him as well
2: Yeah on that point about Rodri I've actually wanted to ask you this a few weeks ago but obviously we haven't had a chance as he becomes more complete as in We're seeing him, I mean, he got the assist, but it wasn't really an assist. It's Foden hitting it from 30 yards out. Mm. Uh, But as he becomes more complete in his game, as he starts to spray more passes around, he almost becomes a hybrid of like three midfielders. Do you think we'll lose the actual thing that we, or certainly I think he's best at, which is breaking up play, dominating physical battles, because he's now so focused on being in possession. Because he can't be the guy who wins the ball back then gives it to the left-back or gives it to the attacking midfield, and then gets it back and then he pops it wide. Like That's a big job yeah, for yeah. one man to do.
1: Yeah, personally, I do like him in there with another out-and-out midfielder like Kovacic. I think the Kovacic-Rodri mm. Rodri partnership, Kovacic sits a lot of the time and then Rodri can then do go forwards and be that more of a playmaker, express himself a bit more. And I do like that partnership. They played it away to Spurs FA Cup, absolutely tore Spurs apart. They played it against Newcastle away as well um, and mm. also um, Bournemouth, away as well recently so pretty tough away fixtures and Kovacic was there and I think he may have to come into the team next week against Liverpool uh give that he's he's good in terms of covering spaces uh he's he's got that athleticism about him and he can win jewels so that might be a key thing for them uh, uh to help Rodri next week
2: all right we as I said we'll talk about next week but just before we get there um very quickly Phil Foden, obviously the star of the match, scores a worldie and then a lovely one too to get around Casemiro, who who just set off air. Florentino Perez knows exactly when to do business because Casemiro's legs they don't function like they used to anymore. Um, he's slow and second to absolutely everything. I don't think it's a fatigue thing. I don't think it's a uh, it's been a tough season thing. He's he's probably done, and I hate saying that about players. Um, but Phil Foden, magical today. Took took on. Uh, the pressure and decided he's going to take this game away from Manchester United and keep City uh, at least touch tight to Liverpool before they go head-to-head next week.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, you look at that period where at the end of the first half, start of the second half, there wasn't really much happening down the City wings. I commented Doku wasn't looking effective in terms of his decision-making coming inside from the left, trying to find that underlap from the left-sided eight or combined with a Haaland um, or someone else across the field. I don't think he was providing that. He's a bit his decision-making was bad, and also his technical kind of quality wasn't at its highest. Um, and then Foden was playing on the right wing. Uh, obviously, he prefers to be a bit more narrow, and that's where he gets the goal. He comes inside from a narrow position, gets that shot in. Phenomenal. And I think that is the most underrated part of this Man City side. They've got long shooters everywhere. So Foden, De Bruyne, Rodri, they can all hit rockets from outside the box. And that is... Are going to be a game-breaking quality, um, and it was for them today. Uh, they they could have got lost if they didn't score that goal. I think they were looking a bit puzzled um, to, in that start of the second half. But yeah, Foden unlocks the game. Then Pep makes a tactical change of putting Foden into the left-sided eight role. Kevin De Bruyne playing more wider, and uh, so Julian Alvarez sometimes there as well. Uh, Foden excelled in that narrow pocket of space. Uh, and that second goal was brilliant in terms of his turn, and then he gives it, then he runs again into the box, smacks it low. Excellent, excellent play from Phil Foden, and he is arguably... The fact that De Bruyne's position was accommodated uh, to help Foden shows Foden is arguably their most influential player right now, and that's a big statement to make, looking at all the big stars they've got on their team.
2: I mean, I wouldn't say you're wrong to be honest. Um, while De Bruyne has been injured, Foden's been outstanding. Both sides he's played on the right and the left sometimes. But we've also been screaming as football fans for months on end, probably years now, that we we need to see more of Foden. Can we see Foden every single week? Lots of people have said play Foden through the middle. Um, he's finally sort of playing through the middle on occasion. Um, I think Pep even said earlier this season there'll be certain games where we can play De Bruyne and Foden as two tens. Uh, they did that in the second half and it worked. Um, I think his, the one area of his game that people have criticised as his final product at times and today he's delivered like two absolute match-winning moments um, and it will be very interesting what happens next week. I think now's probably a good time to talk about next week. Um, so loads to unpack, but what is what are the couple of things that you go, that's what I'm looking out for, that's where I think the game might be decided?
1: Well, what I would say is Klopp's team... At the moment, I think it's got one structural weakness. And I think it's one that Deserbi has targeted in the past. And also Arteta targeted it a few weeks ago. I think they press as a 4-1, 4-1. That means the two eights go really high to jump sometimes. And what Arteta was doing was trying to bait those jumps, create an angle with the um, keeper and the two centre-backs to play through there, through the jumps of the eights. um, And yeah. Uh, use a kind of a back three possession with the keep and the two centre-backs and the four-backs a bit wider uh, and then, yeah, get through the middle find those two tens which were Havertz and Odegaard and then play out from there and that's how they scored their goal uh, so will Klopp try and hunt Pep with the high press? I think he will he'll, he'll need to, I think, to feed into the, the spirit and the cold and atmosphere of Anfield they'll need that type of uh, atmosphere uh, and that style of football fits it perfectly but then it comes down to I think Ender will probably play as a sixth um, could, could will he trap those two two tens? Uh, as well as well as uh, possible, because McAllister didn't, and they got punished for it. And the press was slightly off in terms of timing uh, with Gravenberch and Jones. I think it was that day. And uh, so I think it will be mm. Saboshdi and McAllister as the eights this time. So can that be a difference? We'll see. Um, for Liverpool, they they obviously don't want to get baited into that, and I never problem is Andy Robertson I think he gets baited to push forward and high press a bit too much sometimes and he's like a dog with a bone he comes after the ball and they leave that space in behind so I was thinking Pep actually yesterday I said I think Pep could play this 3-2-2-3 shape in build up but what he could do is put De Bruyne as a right side eight Doku as a wide right winger Haaland as a striker then if you bait that press successfully and play through De Bruyne has then got two runners to hit He's got uh Foden, mm. uh, he's got Doku to his right, and he's got uh, Harland in front of him, and then you can play Foden in that inside left pocket where he excelled today still. So will that happen? That that's a, I think that's an interesting one to consider.
2: It's fascinating because Robertson's Liverpool have dealt quite well uh, with Gomez at left back because in one v one battles Gomez excels. Um, he's not he's not incredibly attacking, so he doesn't go flying forward, say the way Robertson does. Um, and therefore, I think you've seen a, a return in form for Van Dyke because he doesn't keep getting caught in situations 2 or 3 v 1. Um, the pressing side of it is really interesting because in my head, I could remember the games where Liverpool have struggled, especially in the first half, and coincidentally, all of them are against sides uh, that are in and around them in the table. City earlier this season, the 1-1. Tottenham, the 2-1, although Liverpool deserved to win, uh, and then obviously had men sent off. Arsenal, twice. Both times, Arsenal in the first half dominated the game, um, and I think a, there was a one three, three other...
1: times I'd say FA Cup as well. They were yes, yeah, yeah,
2: easy. yeah. And if there is a team that resembles Arsenal the most or Arsenal remember, the most, it uh, resembles the most. It's probably Man City in possession. So I look at that and go. Although the big, the big factor, and of course we always talk about tactics on here, but I'm a psychology guy, as people know, the massive factor is Anfield and City's record at Anfield is not great. Liverpool are extremely dominant at Anfield. This will feel like a title-deciding type of game, despite the timing, and you'd imagine that Anfield will be absolutely rocking. So that's like one point in favour of Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool. And typically, Liverpool have beaten Man City over the years with that sort of like passion brigade, if you like, mm-hmm. where the football actually goes out the window a little bit and it becomes like gung-ho, let's rattle the opposition type type game. Um, so I don't know where this game gets won and lost. Um, we were saying just off air, does Klopp go pragmatic? I just think there's no way you can.
1: Yeah, I don't think you can because I think the Anfield crowd, they respond to having a kind of a, a, a front foot approach. Uh, I think if you sit back, Anfield won't give you that atmosphere that, that they're famous for. Uh, Klopp, I think he'll trust his principles. This is the biggest game left, arguably, in his reign at Liverpool now. If he wins it, he gets four points clear. So he's going to go back to his trial and trust it. I mean, last year he got a result sitting deeper, but Liverpool weren't a good side last year. I think he's going to trust his principles. Just going back to the Man City team, actually, I, I've kind of changed my mind of what I think I should happen. I think they should field a 4-2-3-1. So they should build mm. with... A, we've seen it a few times with Kovacic and Rodri as a double pivot, but at the back, they should build with a f- 4. Uh, the, the goalkeeper should then come into the build-up with the two centre-backs. Then you've got 3 there. Uh, and what's going to happen there is then Nunes will get chasing, as a nine, will chase one of the three. And then that leaves two other players to track because the wingers of Liverpool are then going to have to mark the fullbacks. So then the, there's going to be two centre backs for the Liverpool team to press. And that's going to be down to the eights jumping out. If you can get those eights to jump out, bait the press with Edison and the two centre backs, they're all quality ball players, and then hit De Bruyne and he'll be in a 1v1 versus Endo. That's where City can have joy. Foden. maybe position a bit narrower as well, in close contact with De Bruyne, uh, dragging Connor Bradley from right back to follow him in field. Uh, And then what you'll have then is Doku, as I said, and Haaland to release his outlets. Doku, wide right, Haaland up front. So I personally would go with that. And then the bonus is, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, you've got Kovacic there with Rodri protecting transitions. Um, And then use Stones and Diaz as a centre-back partnership. Personally, that's how I think the formula should be prepared. Obviously, Pep Guardiola knows a lot more than me, so let's see what he does. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, a Quick question, something that sprung to my mind then. I have seen your tweets, hence I'm obviously asking this question. Liverpool's front three for the day, I'm guessing has to be Diaz, Salah, Nunes, right?
1: Yeah, 100%. I think Lucho Diaz, actually, I, I did have a few doubts over this guy. His decision-making is still not the what it should be as a top-class winger, but his carrying has been phenomenal in recent weeks. He's basically carrying the ball long distances, and it's disturbing the opposition defensive structure. Sometimes he gets it on the left. He's basically an express pace Grealish. He'll get it on the left and <laughs> really carry it all the way across the pitch horizontally. And it kind of and people are like, "What the hell is he doing?" But he overloads the right then and then feeds a the pass into someone like a Bradley or who's um, been playing right wing um, Elliot on that right wing and create an overload on the right. And that's going to be important to cover big spaces to, uh, in the City game to hurt him in transition. Um, and so yeah, that I think it will be a Diaz. Nunez, Salah, uh, front three. I do like it. I think it works well. Salah will then be able to get in goal-scoring positions if it's Conor Bradley at right back. It's not going to be this inverted Trent business to be Bradley bombing on, uh, providing the overlapping uh, width. So that could be a decent angle for Liverpool. And then you've got McAllister and Endo building as a kind of pivot kind of thing, uh, giving him a platform uh, against the City press. So this could work well for Liverpool. Uh, I think the midfield three I'd probably go for is Sebastien, McAllister, Endo. I think that's good.
2: I'm going to disappoint you, but I think he'll start Gakpo and bring Darwin off the Ooh. bench. Um, <laughs> in a lot of big games this season, he hasn't. he's chosen not to start Darwin and he brings him on as like a uh, a Rottweiler at the end of a game. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a period where he really trusted him at the start of the season. He was playing every single game. Um, I just have some reservations about Gakpo. Um, I think the way Liverpool are playing right now, Gakpo just cannot suit it. There was a point last season... Well, Liverpool were struggling and Gakpo was actually pretty handy. Um, I think the area to disturb City is the Diaz-Kyle Walker area. As much Mm -hmm. as I really like Ruben Diaz as a pure defender, the two of them switch off so frequently from crosses in wide areas, in particular Kyle Walker. And one thing Luis Diaz has added to his game this season is goals. Um, And I, I compared him recently to like Sadio Mane, but without the ability to just, do something mental out of nowhere. Uh, You know, Mane has this sort of, he had this sort of frequent ability to pop up in the box when the ball was just bouncing around. Diaz has found that this season um, and just become basically more of a clutch winger. And then Darwin tends to peel to the back post. You don't often see Darwin attack the near post anymore. He did it when he first came to Liverpool. Um, And so I do think that's that's the area to target. Um, But I do fear that won't happen if Kakpo plays uh, because just structurally and, like everything about Gagpo just doesn't suit Liverpool at the moment.
1: Yeah, I think also Man City look vulnerable in transition and Gagpo just does not have the athleticism to get in behind um he, he's not a clock forward for me. Um he doesn't really he's overloading in midfield, he's not that great, he's a bit stiff, um, his his passing is not amazing. Uh his IQ of where to drop isn't isn't anywhere near like a Firmino, for example. So I think he's a bit of a wasted body. I think if Gagpo starts are back in man city to win the match. I think it's that <laughs> big a selection.
2: That is that big wow. a selection. Wow. Um all right, any any other th- other things of interest for the man city liverpool game? Yeah, I think basically the trouble for liverpool is if
1: pep selects foden and de bruyne centrally. I think those that I think if those two are in central pockets, I think that's where liverpool can be exposed. Um may, and we'll see if he does it. I, I don't think foden should play right wing as i said, put him in that left pocket in a right pocket, Doku right, and that could be game changing. And then the game changer for Liverpool for me is Gagpo. Does he start? Does he start Nunes? Um, Yeah. So those are the two big issues, um, and let's see what happens.
2: I am just going to throw a little curveball out there. Not a curveball, just a thought. Trying to think of the last time Pep went to Anfield and took big risks and actually attacked Liverpool like gung ho. Doesn't happen often. He's very respectful of the fixture, especially Anfield. Mm. He tends to make very few changes. And more often than not, and correct me if I'm wrong, but from my memory, he doesn't make changes that make them more attacking. If anything, he makes them more. It makes them changes that are more safe. Um, I wouldn't be overly surprised to see Doku not starting. I'd be. I think it'll be Alvarez uh, Silva. Second.
1: Then that means your boy Alvarez has to start.
2: Yeah, and I think he might.
1: Um, Oh, what you could do is Bernardo Foden. Actually, yeah, yeah, this could be what it is. Bernardo right wing, De Bruyne a 10, Foden inside left and double pivot of Kovacic and Rodri.
2: That's normally what he does. I'm thinking now Bernardo never misses a game against Liverpool and he often plays right wing. But Kovacic has been thrown
1: into the fridge for a few weeks now, that's the thing.
2: True. Throwing in the fridge, that's a new one. <laughs> <laughs> he did start against Luton in the cup, but yeah. obviously that doesn't really mean that much when it comes to a big league game. Um, all right, that, we that, never ever do this. Oh. He's
1: got some beef with Kovacic? I don't know what the beef is there because he's actually I, I uh, he's been all right this season, you know.
2: I just think he has a preference to playing stones in the middle mm. and that's just his thing. Like It's his go-to thing. He likes this thing he invented. Um, I do feel, and I don't know Pep, but I do feel like Pep loves the idea of I created this, so let me implement it as frequently as possible and let me make it work. Um, but I do think having stones in midfield over Kovacic does make them more open to transitional football, mm-hmm. um, which has been proven. I think someone posted a stat about that as well because he's not a natural midfielder. Oh, really? So. Yeah, someone posted a stat about how many uh, transitions City have faced when Stones has played versus Kovacic. But wow, Kovacic's wow. sample size is tiny because uh, he's only played a handful of Premier League games. So, um, and the other club, yeah, I'd like it...
1: to throw in there is Manuel Akanji. This guy's a disaster at defending transitions. So if he starts, I think they'll be in big trouble as well. Who played centre-back today? It
2: so was is Diaz Ac-
1: and... Yeah, so it Diaz, Stones, Ake left-back, Carl Walker right-back.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. And you yeah. remember the Chelsea for for match?
1: For Diaz and Akanji were all over the place in defending transition.
2: Yeah. Nunes will, I would, will have to uh, that, lock you That's the change that I think you'll make. I think Akanji will come in. What? But then Stones, he doesn't play. Mm, yeah. No, hold on. No, Stones will play in midfield alongside Rodri. Oh, you're playing in no, d- Oh, 4 2 three, one. Double And no Kovacic. Yeah, no so Kovacic. the Stones
1: is an out and out midfield and not inverting from saying, yeah. I see, I see. Yeah. Oh, that's I, a shot. I can't that's remember. A shot, yeah.
2: That's what I think will happen. And I think Klopp will start um Gagpo, like I said. <laughs> um, so so y- they're your they're boys they're
1: that you... No, they're negating it your ass too. There's nothing going to happen then. Uh,
2: I was going to say, we never ever do this. But um I feel like we should have a prediction for this one because it is a huge... I think the week after it, it's City Arsenal in the league. Mm. Um Oof. So, yeah, predictions please. So
1: that's after the international break.
2: Yeah, yeah, so the next league yeah. game after that is... So, the the, the league title is effectively going to get decided in the next two weeks, pretty much. Next three weeks.
1: Yeah, potentially. I was going to ask you that after this. So, yeah, the prediction. Um... I think it's Liverpool field... Okay, I'll, 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 I'm basing this on Liverpool fielding Diaz, Nunes, Salah, front Uh And I think Liverpool will edge it 2-1. I think there's a lot of power in that front line. And, and I think... That midfielder, Sebastien and McAllister is quite good. I think it's a big upgrade on what we saw against Arsenal where Gravenberch Jones and McAllister didn't do enough out of possession. Um, so, yeah, I'll go 2-1. I'm
2: going to go draw. I think 2-2. Loads of chances, loads of goals. Um, I I don't see Pep winning at Anfield, but I also don't see Klopp beating Pep this season. So, make of that what you will. Then, then, uh, I'm going to ask your right.
1: prediction then. So, if that right. ends as, as a draw... That leaves the table as Liverpool one point ahead. Uh, Arsenal can then close the gap to. um, Well, they'll be level on points with Liverpool. They'll be level on points with Liverpool at the top. And City will be one point behind. Then you've got Man City, Arsenal the week after, Man City at home. Who wins the title if it's a draw at Anfield?
2: Arsenal aren't going to beat Man City at Man City. Ooh. One million percent. Um, <laughs> wow! Well, if throw, that happens, let me
1: throw a curveball into that in that discussion as well. Arteta's in beat beaten in all the big games against Liverpool and Arsenal. Sorry, Liverpool and Man City, except for the FA Cup one. So he beat Pep in the Community Shield on penalties, albeit he beat Pep at, um, at the Emirates. He beat. He got a draw at Anfield, and he beat Klopp at the Emirates. So he's having is a that this season? This season. So he's having a cracking time of it against Liverpool and Arsenal. So
2: I just don't see it. It's crunch time. It's it's crunch time. City City don't lose the big games at home during crunch time. I think City beat Arsenal, and I've said since the start of the season. I think City will win the league.
1: Oh, fine. So then, if City beat Arsenal, they're still potentially one point behind Liverpool because Liverpool are getting that draw. (laughs) So what's happening? Yeah, but
2: they. (laughs) <laughs> They're gonna to top of Liverpool at some point. They're gonna to top. It. I've I, I looked at the fixtures a few weeks ago, and, I, and although people are saying Liverpool have the easiest fixtures, mm. I'll have a very quick look now. But yes, um, but, no,
1: what I'll give you there is Man City have got Spurs away. They hate Spurs away.
2: Yeah, don't matter. It's They'll crunch be, time. You're, Liverpool you're, Liverpool, have, Liverpool have United away. Liverpool have Villa away. Um... Yeah. And Tottenham at home, West Ham away. That's not a fixture Liverpool love. There's, it's one of those things that there's loads of tricky fixtures still to come. Um, anything can happen, but I do think City go and beating against Liverpool and Arsenal. No, so
1: I agree, actually. If City draw at Anfield and win against Arsenal, they're going to win the title. They, they will, they will steam. I think they'll steamroll the rest of the opposition.
2: Yeah, and like, I'm looking at the fixtures now, and if you haven't gotten them whilst you're listening to this, Villa at home after Arsenal, they're going to win that game. Palace away, Luton at home. Tottenham away, yes, potentially sticky, but then it's Forest, Wolves, Fulham, West Ham. So even if they lose against Tottenham, let's say, if they don't lose against Arsenal and Liverpool, they win every other game. Liverpool have three games that they could potentially drop points in, um, and I'm pretty sure Arsenal have uh, Tottenham away, Man U away, uh, Everton at home, and Aston yeah. Villa. So, yeah,
1: Arsenal's stages <laughs> are terrible as well, by the way.
2: Yeah, so, and yeah. they've got Champo League. Yeah, so, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Uh... I, I actually, from this discussion, i commit convinced Arsenal can't win the league.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that know. was my mission. <laughs>
1: so, yeah, but I actually disagree with you slightly on this Liverpool City thing. I think the Europa League will actually favour Liverpool because they won't play their best 11s in that. Well, City might have Real Madrid's or Bayern's or Arsenal's even in the Champions League on top. Um, and True. then you and then Liverpool got the boost of Trent, Jota, Jones, um, Alisson. They're all going to be coming back after the international break.
2: It doesn't matter though, because <laughs> when one comes back at Liverpool, two others go, so uh, it makes no dude, difference. Dude. Um Right, slightly longer episode, slightly different episode. If you enjoyed it, you enjoyed the predictions, then do let us know. Uh, really fascinating next three weeks of uh, Premier League football to go. Uh, Raj, thank you as always for hopping on. If you're listening, thank you for listening. Uh, of course, like and follow the pod. Follow Raj and myself on socials and at no ratings pod, the most important one. And uh, we'll see you next time.
0: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?